is the scripture going to be put up there or not? No? Okay. Then I have to read it to you. Um, Romans 7, favorite book in the Bible, verses 18 through 25. Now, I don't really know why I like this book so well, except it just seems so practical and it hits me right between the eyes so many times. And as you listen to these words, and you realize that I'm not a very original person. I don't come up with many original ideas. I'm an old coach. I steal things. You go to a ball game and, hey, that looks good. I think I'll give that a try. You know, and this, this message this morning is going to be about that too. Not stuff that I thought of, but things that came to me. So listen to these verses. As it is, I, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. But it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my innermost being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Now I hope you can identify with, with a few of those things as I move over there where I should be in the first place. Um, the stuff you want to do. I have a lot of good intentions. And then I don't do them. Well, you know, I come from Alton originally and have moved to Sioux Center. Now, some people don't think that was a wise decision. <laughs> but I bring you greetings from Sioux Center. I know you've been waiting for that. You're excited. Small town living is great. I can't think of anything better. And to raise your kids in a town like Rock Rapids is a real privilege because, well, I didn't lock my pickup out there now. My cell phone and other stuff laying right on the seat. Uh, I'm not worried about theft. Uh, that same thing holds true in Sioux Center and Orange City and the surrounding, yeah, some bad things happen now and then, but for the most part, there are way more good people than bad ones. And you know, since you're such good people, and you're normally getting a three-term sermon, you deserve better than that. You're getting 13 points this morning. <laughs> now, I am an old teacher, and it's 10 to 10, so we will get through on time. Uh, that bell rings, students walk out whether you're done or not. So, but this is true, these are all things that came to me at one time or another, and I wrote them down. They're called the philosophies of life, or credos of life, or whatever you want to call them. But the first one is, 
by an old fellow by the name of Socrates. And he said, know thyself. Now Socrates was just a year behind me at Alton, there. <laughs> and uh, he was a sharp fellow. Know thyself. All right, what do I know about myself? I know that I'm weak with certain temptations. I know that I have a wheat allergy, so I cannot touch anything that has gluten in it. So communion is even a problem for me, so I've had to stop sinning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're with me. That's good. That's good. <laughs> but I did find out two things as far as stress and pressure are concerned. When I get a little uptight, for some strange reason, my left eyebrow just twitches, and I do this a lot. And my collar gets tight. Those are two things that I found out. Now, honestly, in my retirement, that does not happen to me very often anymore. It did this morning because it makes me nervous to come and talk to people in church. I love it. I love you. But you make me nervous. So Socrates has taught me some things about the importance of knowing yourself. Okay, next. And this came from a former pastor that I heard at Central Reformed Church by the name of Wes Keel. Maybe some of you have heard him. He still lives. Like all Reformed Church ministers, they either come from Michigan or they go there. He went to Michigan. Wes was a great pastor. And he said, people are more important than things. Now you think about a lot of the decisions that you make. And maybe it was after a thing. You know, for 22 years I worshipped a baseball. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And so everything that I did centered around becoming a better hitter, a better fielder, a better base runner, and whatever. And then when I got to be 22, and I proposed to my wife, Dot, on our first date, by the way. <laughs> True. She said, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I did not want to lose her. Do you know that 80% of professional athletes' marriages wind up in divorce? 80%! I wasn't going to take that chance. I was not going to lose her. So I signed a teaching contract at Sioux Center, Iowa in 1961 instead of a contract with the Chicago White Sox. It was a thing. Those things are things. People are more important. On the 16th of June, Dot and I will celebrate 56 years of marriage together. What a great woman. Uh, they say behind every man that accomplishes anything is a great woman. Well, I haven't accomplished much, but what I have is because of her. She's a peach. So, people are so much more important than things. You can give up a lot of stuff, but that person sitting next to you, you won't give them up. Don't. So, love people and use money. That's number three. My mom taught me that. Uh, she passed away in 1995, 88 years old. A wise lady. Taught me a lot. And she taught me, don't make important decisions based on money. How many times do we do that? How many times do we decide, 
ooh, I can get a little bit more there. I can make a little more. Or we get uptight because of an investment we made and it doesn't look quite so good. You know, people, once again, are more important. Use the money. You know, there's a professional athlete that I know. And uh, some years ago, we were going to have a, a, a meeting for drug addicts, for kids. I've worked for that. My life has been about kids. We were having a big meeting. And we had a special speaker that didn't have any name at all, but he had gone through drug addiction, and he could speak to young people and get their attention. I wanted to use this professional athlete to draw the kids there and have him introduce the speaker. So when I called him, I said, I want to use you. So think about this. It's for this purpose, but I'm using you to get the people there. And... Uh, so if you're going to do that, let them know. Let them know why you're using, why you're using them, or for what purpose it is. So when you think about that, if you need to get the money, sometimes you have to use people to get that. But they have to know it. Don't be deceiving them. So use money. Love people. Not the reverse. Now we've got three of men already. We're doing pretty good. You bet. E pluribus unum. It's not on your paper money, but it's on every coin that is minted in the United States. I would see that. I didn't have the vaguest idea of what it meant. E pluribus unum. So I looked it up, or I Googled it, or whatever. Out of many, we are one. There are a little over 3 million, 300 million people in the United States. Each one of you is one of them. Each one of you has an impact on a bunch of other people. My dad died in 1960, heart attack. I wish that he had, I was only 21 years old, I wish that he had lived longer till I had some sense and I could have communicated with him better. Because we mostly argued. We mostly argued about stuff that didn't mean anything. Does Alton need a swimming pool? That was a biggie. <laughs> I said yes. Dad said no. I gave him all kinds of arguments instead of swimming in that old sand pit out there. And, and they were great arguments. <laughs> he didn't pay any attention. Then one day, I went to the OK Cafe with some friends of mine and sat down. And they had high booths. You couldn't see who was in the other ones. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, that sounds like my dad. Now, he hardly ever went into the OK Cafe, but by golly, I peeked around, the, and he was there, and he was using my arguments for the swimming pool. <laughs> mm -hmm. It passed, by the way. So you see, each one of you, even when you don't think you have influence, you do. You influence more people than you think by your actions, by your words. So remember how important you are. Of the over 300 million people, you have credence. You are important. Then the next one comes, I'm third. I read that book. Can't remember who the author was. Uh, he said, God must be first, your family must be next, and then you come in there. Well, I'm not even sure you should come in that high. You know, there are other things that are more important than you are. But at least put those other two. Now, have I done that all the time? 
No, I'm afraid my God has not always been the God I'm supposed to worship. As I told you, one time it was baseball. At one time it was Dot, because I thought I was going to lose her. At other times it's my job, whether I'm coaching, whether you're winning enough, or whatever it might be, and you never win enough, it seems. So I'm third. To put yourself at a lower level and realize there are other things, other people that are more important than you or how you feel about things. So find that relationship for yourself. And so where you fit in to the way you think about what's important in your life. But God, Jesus, has to be first. And then whatever comes after. All right, I've been an educator when I signed that teaching contract at Sioux Center in 1961, uh, I started out teaching. And a, a number of things happened that really impacted my life. And as I was visiting with the elders for a few minutes before we came up here, I said, there is no better occupation than being a teacher and a coach because of the tremendous opportunity you have to deal with great people with those that have hope and a future and are excited about things. That's why kids are so important. So education must make good men and women and teach them to act nobly. Now Chris was one of my students at Northwestern. He was also one of my students as a golfer. I bet you if you talk to him right now, he can't tell you one thing that I taught him. He probably can't even draw a supply and demand curve, can you? Yeah, okay. But you know, one thing I think he did learn was how to learn. How to find stuff that you don't know about now. And that's really what teaching is about. Not to cheat, not to find the shortcuts, but to find out what works and then apply it and make it work. So education makes good men and women and has you act nobly within the law. Yeah, I came here to Rock Rapids this morning. I set the cruise control at 59. I met the sheriff. <laughs> I didn't care. I knew I wasn't speeding. Well, 59, now you, you see, everything's relative. But I set it at 59. I don't worry about it anymore. I used to. I used to worry about who I meet and who's hiding behind the corners and stuff. I don't do that anymore. So I'm acting a little more nobly than I used to. Okay. Bernie Sago. Maybe that name will be familiar to some of you. If you ever coached, if you ever refereed, officially aided anything, if you knew anything about the Iowa High School Athletic Association, you've heard of Bernie Sago. He used to live in Boone, in Cherokee. He now lives at the lakes. He's older than I am. He is a great man, and he has come up with some great thoughts. This next one is, when making a decision, first consider, is it good for kids? Think about that. Can you make a bad decision if it's good for kids? Can you make a good decision if it's bad for kids? Or did I just say it that way? That's what happens when you get older. You can't remember which way you said it. But think about it. Those three little rascals sitting there in the front, and they can be rascals, can't they? <laughs> yeah, 
You can't make a bad decision if it's good for them. And wouldn't we think about that, whether it's bond issues? I don't care what it is. If it's good for kids, it's a good decision. So Bernie Sago, years ago when he made that statement, hit the nail on the head. Think about that the next time you have to make a decision. Is this going to be good for kids? Is this going to help the kids of Rock Rapids, Lyon County, whatever it is? You betcha. Think on that. Well, I mentioned that some interesting things happened to me in 1961 when, uh, when I went to Sioux Center. Some of you may remember the name Paul Meiskens. Paul Meiskens was a coach in Sioux Center in the middle to late 50s. He was the coach of the 1959 state championship team. Uh, then he went on to Northwestern College. And uh, he had taught at Sioux Center prior to that. So when I came there in 61, they just started sticking a little magazine in my mailbox. It was called The Christian Athlete. Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You have an FCA chapter or a huddle here. Anyway, uh, I started getting that Christian Athlete magazine and I started reading it. You know, I've always been kind of an idol worshiper. Stan Musial was my favorite baseball player. I had a lot of other ones that I really cared about. And so, uh, here, it's said in that Christian athlete that every summer they had conferences out in Colorado and I could go and rub shoulders with those guys. Holy smoke. I thought, ah, that's the thing. So, I started a huddle in Sioux Center. And a little later on in the, in the 60s, started taking kids out to conferences. The Fellowship of Christian Athletes helped me raise my kids because Dick and Amy went along to those conferences and some great things happened. And one of the things, well, there, were, there are several things that the FCA says. It said, you know, as a coach, you're probably going to spend more quality time with your athletes than their mom and dad does. You think about how much time your kids are with a coach. All right, that put some pressure on me to change the way I talked, for one thing, to change the way I acted, another, to let me know that I had to be not only a, an example, but a good example for the athletes that I dealt with. So there was a statement in there that said, teach and coach the way you want your son or daughter to be coached. Well, both Dick, Dick was an athlete. Amy wasn't. She didn't give a hoot about it. It took her a long time to realize that I didn't care whether she was a good athlete or not. I wanted her to find something that she liked. She liked to sing, Benji. You betcha. And she was good at it. And she liked to be in place. I don't care. It doesn't make any difference whether your kids are good athletes, musicians, actors, actresses. Just find something that they care about that's wholehearted and, uh, and worthy. All right, so that really influenced my life as far as the way I taught, as far as the way I coached, actually the way I tried to be in, as an elder in the church or wherever else I might find myself. Do it the way you want your kids to be coached, led. All right, you know, I mentioned my dad a little earlier. 
and we argued a lot. My dad was the kind of guy that, uh, well, he only went to church once. I was only ever to church with him once. And so I prayed that uh, somehow dad would be led to be saved. And you see, his dad had really confused the family by taking him to this place. And actually, he wound up as a Jehovah's Witness. My dad did, I called a Russellite back in those days. My dad was born in 1904. So he didn't see the value of the fellowship of believers going to church. And I never got the, well, I never took the chances that I had to help him reach a saving faith, I think. He read the Bible some, but he had, it was based a lot on works. He thought, I can earn it and we can't. It's a gift. It's a free gift. It's grace that saves us by what we believe in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died on the cross, rose again from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. Then we're not going to make mistakes as we go on, but we're saved. Well, when I think back to that, uh, I mean, I think about the influence that my dad had, and uh, I had to be a different kind of dad. I couldn't do those same things. I had to raise my kids differently. So you learn things from people negatively and positively. Glean the good stuff and use it. Steal the good stuff and use it. So there you are, teach and coach the way you want your kids to be taught and coached. Then this next one, boy, am I glad it's in there. It's okay to cry. Heh, I hate, I, no, I can't say it. I love the Hallmark Channel, <laughs> but it makes me cry a lot. <laughs> and dot, holy smoke, we sit and watch that and I'm trying to hide behind my glasses there, you know, but it's okay, it's okay to cry to let people know that you care. You know, this is Memorial Day weekend, and there are gonna be, you're gonna go out to the cemetery, and you're probably, and maybe you're just gonna go to the cemetery area where you have loved ones. Don't just stay there. Walk around a little bit, look at some other ones. You're gonna get some memories back of people that really influenced your life. And you know, I did that last week. I went through the Alton Cemetery, and I came on some graves. John Zalmi doesn't mean anything to you. He's the guy that got me jobs when I was a kid, walking beans and, 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 and stuff like that. John Zalmi. And then there was Bob Vanderscaff, guy I worked for from the time I was in the fifth grade till I graduated from college at the hatchery. Man, did he teach me a lot of things. You know, as I looked at those gravestones of not just John and Bob, but others, I realized that a little bit of me is buried there. Those people affected my life so much, and I didn't always give them credit. So do that. If you don't have a chance to do it this weekend, sometime walk through the cemetery and look at the gravestones and remember what those people did for you. Maybe some of them won't be happy memories, but they did something for you too. You learn from that. And then let the tears flow. 
you know, uh, Lane Brunsma. Maybe that name doesn't mean anything to you, but he was an old baseball coach at, at Sioux Center Town team. And when I moved there, Lane had been a friend of the family for years. Then he got cancer. He got lung cancer. He smoked like a chimney. Ha! He got that lung cancer. And as he was sitting in the hospital bed, he couldn't even talk. I held his hand. He didn't have much of his hand left because he'd stuck it in a corn picker. So he had his little finger and thumb. It looked like, looked like he was from Hawaii. <laughs> and we sat there and held hands and cried. I could cry right now thinking about it. Don't worry about showing your emotions to people that you care about. Let them know, yeah, I am going to take a drink out of this. Because holy smoke, we've got three to go. Mm. Ah, we may even get out early. <laughs> okay. Have as the test to find whether your mission on earth is finished. If you're alive, it isn't. You know, my cousin is sitting back there in the back row. Garlene. Yeah. Boy, I was tickled to see her. You know, I don't have many cousins left, particularly those that are older than I. I'm sorry, I gave that away. <laughs> yeah, but what a peach, you know. What great memories I have there as I think about that. And uh, her mission is not through yet. Just a smile on her face is a mission. Because, you know, that's, as soon as Jim came up here and said, hey, Carlene's here, she gives me a wave and gives me that smile, you know. Uh, that's so important. You're not through. I don't care how old you are. You're not through. There's stuff that still has to be done, and you can do it. So, you're living. You have a mission. You have things that still have to be done. All right, now, this next statement, and I couldn't bring her along, but it says, you or I am the most important person in someone else's life. Dot, without question, is the most important person in my life. My days hinge around her, on how she feels, and what's important to her. I don't know I show that to her, but uh, she knows it. I never leave, but I say I love you. Give her a kiss. She is the most important person in my life, and I am the most important person in her life. Does that mean I don't love my kids? Dick and Amy, my grandkids, Sarah, Ethan, Jordan? No. I love them. But she's the most important. So, whoever that is, you have to let them know that. Whether it's a little squeeze on the knee, or on the arm, or just a look, or a hug. You have to let those people know. And you've got three kids there. You, love them, you, you, you don't love one more than the other. Yeah, you can wave. I like that. <laughs> you bet. Our hearts can take so much love, it's unbelievable. Share it. Don't be afraid to tell people how you feel about them. Love them. Let them know. And finally, start each day with Bible reading and prayer. That's not easy. I did it this morning. 
uh, I missed Thursday because I drove up to Minneapolis. We left at 5 o'clock, and I do my devotions in the morning. And my intention was good. I was going to do it when I got back, but I didn't. The Cardinals were playing. <laughs> so I didn't do them that day. So I had to do double the next day. You know, alcoholics, addicts, they say, if you fall off the wagon, get right back on the next day. Well, that's the way it is with this. You know, I was 31 years old before I finally picked up the Bible and read it because I wanted to. I had done it for assignments and all that stuff, but I didn't really want to. Then a black man by the name of Joe Ardunia came to Sioux Center, former running back for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I met him through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, got him to come to Sioux Center to speak to our athletic banquet. Joe stayed in our house. He got me to read the Bible because I wanted to. What a difference. So, start that habit. If you haven't done it, pick it. It's not how many minutes you do it or that anybody else knows that you do. Get into the Word. Read some things. Find some. As I said, Romans is my favorite book. And so, start with Romans if you want to. Put, uh, Billy Graham said, start with John. Well, what does he know? <laughs> yeah. You know, pick out something that you like, maybe a devotional that goes with it or something, but get into the Word and pray every day. In Thessalonians, it says, pray constantly. Everything that you do is prayer. That's awful hard to do, but you can. So, my friends, as you think about those 12 items, and you actually got 13 today because I threw in Memorial Day. You know, maybe a couple of them will cause you to do something. If it doesn't, then this morning didn't mean much. We got together, we had fellowship, but if it doesn't cause you to do something, I don't care what it is, something, then really we just had a nice hour together and we'll have some coffee and cookies or whatever afterward but it really didn't get to you. So think about that. Which one of those you want to give a try to? Give it a shot. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you truly do bless us. And even though we take most of them for granted, we just figure we've got it coming. We know that every good thing comes from you. So Lord, bless these good people. Bless their families. Bless the other things that we do this day so that truly as we start a new day, we can live it for you. Help us do that. Amen. Okay. Teach me thy way. Now, I had already looked ahead, and that has four verses, and I thought, if you get a little too long, we can cut her down. We're not going to. We're singing all four. <laughs> okay.